1: Hello and welcome to the of viz College Football Show. I am your host, Dave Falmaco, joined by Jordan Hoover and Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Untuck It. Welcome to another great show. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, I, I think the most important thing to do, though, is, is start with some of the big news from over the weekend. Tua is out for the year, and I'm curious what that means for his future Um, in the NFL. Let's like the Debbie perspective on that. And then also what you think this means for Bama for the rest of the year, Jordan, because you're uh, feeling a little bit ill, I'm going to put you (laughs) right on the spot right away, just so that we can get, you know, knock out some of those, uh, the stomach bug issues uh, with a little bit of high pressure analysis. So you can choose which one you want (laughs) to answer though. Either, either Debbie Tua or Bama this season, which one? Uh, Well, uh,
2: first first of all, it's, it's, I'm personally pretty sad to see this happen because um, Tua Tagovailoa has been one of my favorite favorite football players to watch over the last couple of years. His efficiency, you know, in and among a season where we saw Kyler Murray break records um, last year, Tua was so quietly just absolutely phenomenal, and he's he's basically just been that way the whole time he's been at Alabama. Um, you know, he is a household name, but I still feel like somehow he's sort of gotten undersold to this point. So to see obviously the the ankle issue that he had uh, a couple weeks back where he had to have surgery and now this much more serious hip fracture. um, I don't know exactly what the timetable for for a full recovery is. I don't know if anyone can really speak to that 100% at this point. But I don't know exactly what he's going to do. I mean I we're how many months away from the draft? Five ish, five months away. Um, Something like that, yeah. Part of me, I mean, part of me hopes that he <laughs> hopes that this helps him avoid the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a sick, weird kind of way. Like
1: maybe that will. As a Cincinnati native,
2: I can fully Yeah, that. yeah.
1: Although, although, if AJ Green's back next year, Tyler Boyd, you've got. Joe Mixon, if they can get an first offensive line. There,
3: contract. Well,
1: that's true. But in theory, I I agree with you. I, I hope for his sake too that he get he can avoid the bungles. It's
2: yeah, so I mean it's just something that I think it's really just put his future more in question, I think, because prior to this, um I had I had been saying all along that I thought that he should be the first quarterback taken in the draft and potentially the one oh one. Depending on which team landed there, are you
1: referring to the NFL draft or Debbie drafts or rookie drafts? Uh,
2: well, the well the NFL draft, but but I would say that I think that that probably uh, crosses over into Debbie drafts, especially in superflex leagues. Where um, pr- again, prior to this injury, when when his path was much more clear, I think that he was a no brainer, top half of the first round pick in superflex drafts should have been the first quarterback taken potentially could make an argument for him being one or two overall in a Debbie draft uh, despite it being such a loaded class at the skill positions. So, I mean, I don't know. I I guess I don't really have a super clear answer, but that's just because I feel like I don't have enough information on what his timetable for recovery is. But all I can say is that I am still standing by. I think he's a, a special prospect. I think that his efficiency is something that you can't turn away from. And despite having maybe the best wide receiver core in college football history this season, I think that's debatable. Um, I still think that he is the, the engine that made it go. And I think that what, what he can do can translate into the NFL pretty easily. So, I mean, I still think that he's still that guy. It's just, I, I, am just not quite clear on what the timetable for recovery is.
1: Would you be trying to make any trade offers to acquire him and Debbie at this point? Um, I mean, if if the, if the Tua owner is, is freaking out about the injury, would you be willing to uh, to, to swap like a, a Trevor Lawrence? You know, I mean, that's a little bit tricky because he has to wait an extra year. No,
3: not Trevor Lawrence.
1: But uh, but like a, a, a Joe Burrow or a, whoever, whomever your quarterback of, of choice is, would you be looking to maybe swap them? Or uh, would you rather just uh, stay pat with one of the, yeah. the safer guys just from an injury perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you have Burrow or Lawrence, you're probably just going to stay put. Um, but if you could flip him for, um, you know, if there's, if there's, for instance, like if there's a running back that you might have on your roster that, that you've kind of soured on a little bit for whatever reason, especially since it's a crowded class. Are you
1: referring to my, Eno Benjamin stock? I
2: I mean, I wasn't going to point him, I wasn't going to point him out in particular, but he's someone who's kind of slid a little bit. I mean, he's still produced, but he slid a little bit. I think, I think the window to buy, Tua and Devi is obviously open. Um, just buying, you know, at the floor, buying when things are uncertain is typically a a way to get value. It doesn't always mean that it'll pan out, um, right? But I'm still I'm still a believer. I still think that he can get to the NFL, and I still think he can be successful.
1: Yeah, thanks, uh, Matt. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what this means for Bama. Do you think the the selection committee or whatever they call themselves these days, uh, do you think that they will factor this in if, if Bama would be like one of a few one loss teams? Do you think they factor this in the fact that Tua's gone now, does is that gonna hurt them, or do you think they ignore it and, and it would, you know, play out the same way regardless?
3: I mean, I don't think they ignore it. I think that um saying that Tua not being on the team does means nothing is obviously just a lie. Um But at the same time, if they go out there and kind of steamroll the last two teams, if they, if essentially, if they steamroll Auburn, there can be a case um, similar to the one that Ohio State made um, in 2014. So there's at least a precedent now. With that being said, I think if you're Auburn or Utah, you have the inside track at this point, uh, the winner of that game is going to have arguably a better resume and will have their team theoretically intact. So, I I mean, it's just one of those, I think the most likely outcome is that Alabama will be on the outside looking in. However, I also have started, have kind of felt that way regardless. um, Because I do think that Oregon and Utah, specifically Oregon, because I think they're a bigger name, the committee might be willing to put them in just based on resume alone. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Alabama's going to have a tough path to get there. I don't think they can grind their way to victories. I think they they have to go out there and be impressive for them. Style points have to mean everything at this point. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that uh, I I think that even if they were to just average a thirty five point win the next two weeks, actually, I'll go even higher. Even if they average a forty nine point win over the next two weeks, I think they're still going to have a difficult time. Um, convincing the committee that Oregon isn't a better contender.
1: Sure. Yeah. Now, if they, if they steamroll sure. Auburn, like you said, uh, that would be interesting because that will be Oregon's one loss, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what the committee does with, you know, an Oregon with a, a team that like Oregon that lost to Auburn who just got blown up by Bama. But again, hypotheticals are, are just that they're hypothetical. I will say to uh, players making an impact your boy, Penn State transfer, Jawan Johnson, coming over to Oregon, since he's been healthy, this Oregon offense looks so different. And leave it to me to take a conversation about Tua and lead it straight to uh, to Autzen Stadium. But but I did it. Uh, sorry about that. It's disgusting of me. But he's the truth. Why, do you know why he left? Do you know why Jawan left Penn State? Because he didn't get enough work last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I it's it's strange because looking at the team, Cause now, they could use him. Exactly. Um, I, Realistically, I, I, I
3: don't think Penn State knows how to use wide receivers. Um, I think that they are incredibly um, good at developing their first wide receiver and tight ends and running backs. I don't think they have figured out how to use multiple wide receivers.
2: Josh that Gaddis. That's a
3: stretch, and a half, but I am okay with that. <laughs>
1: Josh Gaddis. <laughs>
2: hey.
1: Yeah. Well, we were talking about style points, and I just want to talk about style, period. And that's uh, why I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about Untuck It shirts, which are awesome shirts that are designed to be worn untucked. I don't know about you guys, but almost all of my dress shirts are like your standard size dress shirts, and I don't have to wear a suit to work anymore. I just wear jeans and a button-up. But it sucked for a long time because all of my button ups just look ridiculous untucked because they got those weird wingy things on the bottom. Uh, and so you can't wear them untucked. But who wants to wear a button up tucked in all the time? Certainly not me. So so untucked shirts are awesome because they always fall right at that, that perfect length no matter what the size is. So you can look casual and sharp at the same time. Uh, it, it's just awesome it's it's a it's a great product so uh we just want to take a, a couple minutes here to tell you about our product and the and the deal that we have for you guys today so one of the things i like most about Untucket is the fact that you have your options to to shop online or you can go to one of their 80 brick and mortar stores your shirts will never look ba- baggy or bulky too long or too big the website is super easy to use. They have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit, which can be super intimidating, but Untuckit does a really, really good job of helping you through that process. So what you want to do, um, especially with the holidays around, it's all coming up here. So if you're looking for a good gift for your dad or your brother, or maybe even yourself, uh, go to untuckit.com, use the promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com, that's U-N-T dot com and use the promo code BLUE to get 20% off. This time of year is a great time to shop. It's a gift that will definitely be appreciated because it is something we all need and something we all struggle to find. So go to untuckit.com, start shopping today, and don't forget to use that promo code BLUE to get that 20% off. All right, gentlemen, let's get into the recap. The one that uh, we all knew was going to happen it was no doubt in our mind, Navy destroys Notre Dame. Wait what <laughs> no Notre Dame, my goodness fifty two to twenty. What the hell happened here i I felt bad for you jordan were you were you pretty upset when that took place, or was it just one of those things? Well, I
2: mean, once again, it shows why I am not a professional sports better, and sports books generally win in the end. I thought for sure, yeah, I mean, I thought for sure that plus twenty ticket would be would be okay. Um,
3: it looked like easy money,
2: yeah. And and as the line came all the way down to seven around kickoff, I thought for sure I had the right end, um, but nah. Um, I I I don't. I'm not really sure. I mean, I watched the first couple minutes of this game, maybe like the first five or ten minutes, and then I clearly saw which way it was going. Um, yeah, and then kind of stopped watching it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I guess you know. Navy had been trending upwards, and, and they were playing better on defense, too, which is something that was uh, a, a change this season from years past where they were pretty vulnerable on defense. Um, but even their offense really, really struggled. I mean, Notre Dame's defense really shut down the option attack, um, really limited what they were able to do on that side of the ball. And like I said, before the game last week, I thought Notre Dame was a little bit overrated. I don't know if I'm ready to reel that all the way back in, but I clearly, I I read this one wrong. And I think, uh, like you said, we were all on Navy. I think a lot of sharps were also on Navy, driving that number all the way down from, like I said, from almost three touchdowns uh, about a week and a half ago. So I don't know. Commiserating, I guess, doesn't make it any better, but I don't don't think that we were alone on an island there.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, Notre Dame is a tough one because – Uh, We all thought, uh, I don't know if we all did. I know I did. Uh, You guys can, uh, you don't have to go down with this ship if you weren't in it. But uh, I thought Georgia was going to smack them around pretty easily. And they hung tough. And then all of a sudden I wanted to change my mind on them. But then they went out and got rolled by Michigan. And I was like, okay, I guess Notre Dame is overrated. And then they come out and and they have this performance. So I, I really don't know what to think about them. I guess essentially it doesn't really matter too much. Uh, they play Boston College this week. They have Stanford to to close out the year. Uh, two games that they should win uh, pretty easily. But of course, with the two losses on their record, it, it, it's not like they're in any conversation for playoff. But do you think uh, do you think that they might be a team that uh, we should maybe highlight to see who they end up with in a bowl game? Because there could be some some interesting uh, lines there. Or is this just uh, who knows what kind of team this is? Let's just avoid it. What do you think, Matt? Uh
3: fade yeah all the way fade uh, i mean i i think that the georgia game was like this red weird red flag because uh the we expect them to get blown out but i i think what we're kind of learning about georgia is they aren't gonna blow good teams out just like better than above average teams i think they're going to struggle blowing out because their offense is not an explosive and then the michigan game was just the weather makes that game weird so yeah I, I think the idea on this is if Notre Dame gets a matchup where they're going to be able to run the ball effectively, then they, you probably can look to uh, take their side. But honestly, there aren't a lot of matchups that they'll be talked about
1: in where I'm going to be all gung-ho on Notre Dame. Right. It didn't make my locks uh, list, but I told you guys earlier today I had like a huge list that I was whittling down. And uh, the Notre Dame-Boston College... Uh, under 64 was on my initial uh, doc, but I, I I did cut it. It won't be coming up, but it is something that I was I was looking at um, just because I think that number's been elevated. Uh, because of Notre Dame's past performance, but I could see that one being a much lower scoring game. But that's, we've talked, uh, that's like now five minutes we've spent on Notre Dame all season. That's four minutes more than I was hoping to do. So <laughs> let's quickly move on to a game that uh, I got wrong, uh, but I also didn't watch any of, and that was Clemson 52, Wake Forest 3. I was tempted to turn it on when it was, you know, starting at the first quarter. And by the time I rolled around to it, it was already well out of hand. Did, did you guys watch any of this one or, no. or was it kind of similar for you where it was just uh <laughs> no. ridiculous so early <laughs> i wasn't gonna watch a second of this wake forest
3: lost almost all of their fun i i think our analysis on this game last week was clemson has been rolling people and wake forest lost their top two wide receivers it was always gonna be a real yes. bad day for wake um i was a little bit disappointed hilton got nothing going so or hinton i think it's hinton um but yeah, I mean, Clemson's the second best team in the country. This didn't surprise me that much.
1: I, I did think it was pretty funny. the The over under was fifty nine and a half, which the game didn't hit because uh, it was fifty two to three. But Clemson was only only favored by thirty four, so they 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 ended up crushing their their over under, but still fell under the the, the 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 total, which was pretty funny. Uh, the other games that we we kind of highlighted from last week, we I, I watched a lot of all of them. Let's go to Iowa, Minnesota first. Minnesota tried to come back. (laughs) Minnesota tried to come back after being down uh, 20-3. to It was the end of the first uh, half, and there was like four seconds left on the clock. They were at the two-yard line because there had been a pass interference call, and instead of going for it, they kicked the field goal. They make it, barely, and it's 20-6. to I think the kicker hit the upright and put it in, so it was pretty terrifying, and I was thinking, man, Interesting strategy, but they did come back. They made it close, but in the end, it just wasn't enough. Matt, you said you're you're out on Minnesota. You hate Minnesota. They're dead to you, but uh, how do you really feel?
3: Uh, they're not dead <laughs> to me. Um, I'm mad at them. I'm mad at the Big Ten in general just because I think that the Big Ten has cannibalized themselves this year, that I don't know who's good. This was a the, like, the perfect uh, Iowa game. They got out to a lead and then tried to lose it. And they still aren't athletic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, this matchup, the when you were listening to people kind of analyze it, Iowa didn't let up explosive plays. And Minnesota sort of thrived on um, eventually getting an explosive play. So maybe I misread this game entirely. I Tyler try, try, Johnson had fun, though. I tried to tell you guys, man. I tried to tell you. Excuse me, sir. Um, some of us are going to remember the fact that you changed your
2: pick like <laughs> half an hour before the show went live. Well, I, you know, what matters is what matters is what's on the show, Doc, brother. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the, like Matt said, this is kind of just that typical Iowa game. It makes no sense. I mean, it it literally makes no sense that they won this game. They were they were outgained by 141 yards, um, and yet. This bizarre world that that they force us to live in, in, in a universe where they can win games, getting outgained by 140 yards. It's just, it's it's hard to quantify, I think, but there's just something about these games where Iowa just finds a way to win, even when they shouldn't. And, you know, it's just something we have to live with.
3: <laughs> Minnesota missed a field goal and an extra point and lost by four.
1: There you go. Right. <laughs> and it's like you, you talk about things that shouldn't happen. Iowa storming the field after beating Minnesota just felt all <laughs> kinds of wrong to me. Like, I know it's a rivalry game, but come on. I know they were undefeated, but come on. You're Iowa. It's Minnesota. Settle down. But I guess uh, I guess the uh, there's not a whole They're lot a top else for a
3: team. It's legit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, I guess we won't see it. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to change what took place. Uh, Georgia-Auburn. Georgia was up 21 nothing in the fourth. Uh, Auburn came back and, and uh, got two touchdowns. Luckily, Georgia still uh, won by more than three, so that worked out well for my lock. Uh, but the final score, did you did you feel like Georgia was better than a seven-point win in this one, or, or did you think that the scoreline accurately reflected the, uh, the quality in, in, in both these teams, Jordan?
2: I mean, I hear what you're saying about how uh, all of Auburn's points, all 14, were scored in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of makes the score tighter than than it perhaps should have been. But, again, and I hate to just box score scout this, but Auburn outgained Georgia by about 70 yards. So, I mean, if we're talking in terms – now, Georgia didn't turn the ball over, which is key. You know, they were able to run the ball. Auburn wasn't. So, I mean, I think – I think when we were previewing this game, I think we all pretty much agreed. I was on Auburn, so I was on the wrong side, but I think we all pretty much agreed that Georgia was the more talented team, and I think that's kind of just the way that it played out. I'm still I'm still just not very high on the coaching staff, and I think that in you know, in certain situations, I think that that might come back to haunt Georgia in the future. Um so it's just something that I'm keeping my eye on, but I kind of agree with you. I think that Georgia was was clearly the better team, um, even despite being outgained. And you know, Auburn's late two touchdowns kind of kind of drew the you know painted a different picture than perhaps what what really happened.
1: Yeah, and, and Matt, you you said earlier that Clemson is is clearly the number two team. I'm guessing that you have <laughs> Georgia number one. Then,
3: <laughs> no, <laughs>
1: no. Where well, in all seriousness, where where would you where do you put Georgia? Like, do you view them as a as a real Contender, like not just for the playoffs, but like national championship.
3: I'm, I'll am i be honest. If you, on the field, I think they, I would favor them against anyone except for LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. That might honestly be it. I think they, I, I would say there's a really strong case that they're the fourth best team in the country. And it's basically just their defense is nasty. Their defense is not going to let you score points. Yeah. So I, I really like this Georgia team. I think they're going to I think they're going to give LSU fits in the SEC championship, assuming LSU gets there. I, I mean, I it, I think it's they're a really good team and they did kind of exactly what I expected them to do. The one thing that I, I want to point out is, Jordan, have you looked at a uh, Fromm's yards per attempt in this game? No, is it 3.9? Yeah, 3.9 yards per attempt. You, what makes that even grosser? Uh, So he passed for 110 yards. He had a 51-yard touchdown in the first quarter. God damn, that's so sad. That's just so sad. That yeah. o- that offense, I mean, they they're not going to... They're playing like
2: Alabama and pre-Jalen Hurts Alabama. And that's not good enough to win. That's what they are. I I, I think I, mean, I I hear what you're saying about, you know, like playing tough with LSU, but I just you don't think LSU just outscores them?
3: I I think that's Georgia is going to be able to run the ball as much as they want in that yeah. game and they the game will be a lot lower scoring than most LSU games so they'll have these long drives where Swift eats up their defense and yeah I, I mean I think LSU probably outscores them in the end because they can get one stop in the game but I, I mean we'll see on the field do you really think they're are you favoring Oregon against them
1: I was going to say real quick, Rotoviz College Football Podcast is the only place where you're going to get a uh, December 7th preview on <laughs> November 21st. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, sorry. So that's awesome. But my question wasn't Oregon, but Utah, because I think, I think Georgia would handle Oregon just fine because of the style of play. But Utah, Georgia, I think would be um, a really interesting game that I hope I never have to see. Unless it's, uh, you (laughs) know, unless they both lose and it's in like the... uh... I will
3: go bet the under on that game. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Sorry, Jordan, I interrupted you. No, no.
2: And my apologies for sort of uh, derailing the conversation. You know, I, I, I think that Georgia is a very good team, a very talented team. I just have questions about whether or not they have the ability to really put the pedal to the metal and score whenever it really has to happen. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, you know a team that can only do that but can't do anything else? Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma Baylor. My goodness. What what a crazy game. Baylor was up 28 3, um, and then it was 31 10 at halftime. OU scored 24 unanswered points. Uh Hertz had some of those uh rough turnovers to start, uh, but he was pretty clutched down the stretch. Did you guys watch this this crazy game? I turned it off at a halftime. Did you? So, yeah, did. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in I, fairness, I'm
3: old and I fell asleep, but uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I was watching some of the game and pretty much was thinking what everyone was thinking. Huh, Baylor's able to score enough points and get stops every once in a while. Oklahoma's in trouble, so I was, I guess, wrong to not believe that Oklahoma can score whenever they want eventually. Yeah, I, I mean. I. Yeah, for,
1: the, my, I... sorry. For me, it was one of those things where I knew Oklahoma was going to make a, a huge comeback. I didn't know if they were going to do enough to win the game, uh, but I knew that I knew that it was going to end really, really close because that's what both of these teams do. They just find both find ways to to play every game super close. So I, I was just waiting for it, and then sure enough, it happened. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty nutty. I, I really got a kick out of watching this one. Uh, I I kept going back and forth on, on who I hoped would win. I've got a lot of buddies who are Sooner fans, so I was definitely pulling for Baylor. Uh but uh in that in that regard. But I was like, what's better for Oregon? What's better for Oregon? I couldn't make up my mind. So I just I just rode the wave and enjoyed it a little bit. Did you did you see much of it, Jordan? Yeah, I
2: I actually caught the very end of it. Um I was at a hockey game uh last Saturday night, so I got home like right around the I don't know it was probably around the third quarter when things started to turn a little bit. So I I missed the first half. Um so I didn't see like the dominant first half that Baylor put on and put Oklahoma in such a hole, but I did see the the comeback and it was a great game to watch all the way down to the end. I mean, obviously if you're a Baylor fan, you're absolutely sick. Right. Um but it it was it was a really fun watch there there towards the end. Uh, Oklahoma it, they're just their offense is just always fun to watch. Um you know, especially when they're when they're rolling like that and without CeeDee Lamb, which is something that is, is also worth noting, yes. too, Who who is perhaps the best receiver in the country. So that's something to be said for that as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. Do you think uh, all these really close nail biters for Oklahoma, do you think that they've really just messed up any opportunity to make it to the playoff? Or do you think that that winning out, they'll be looked on favorably because at least they found a way to win? What do you think? that's uh, tough i mean the,
2: i mean the the problem is like they're lost they're lost to kansas state for a while looked pretty yeah, good not anymore or or maybe not good but not horrible but now it's sort of <laughs> the tide is sort of turning mm-hmm. there um and the line in that kansas state texas tech game uh the, the money is moving in in favor of texas tech so I don't know exactly, you know, how Kansas State's going to finish the season, but that that loss isn't looking quite as uh, palatable as it once was. So, I mean, I think that could ultimately hurt them. Yeah. Isn't Georgia
3: proof that your loss doesn't really matter? Mm. Maybe. I mean, well, Georgia, the has, SC, the worst, Georgia the SEC, has the worst loss of any of them. If you're I mean, in the SEC, well, yeah. I, so I, <laughs> I think I, I think I agree. I mean, I think the Kansas State loss will rightfully like hang over them. I also think that this. The scenario could be if it's if Utah wins the Pac twelve in a close game and Oklahoma goes out there and steamrolls somebody. I, I just I mean, I think there's a path. I think that it's not inconceivable. And I I think brand is gonna matter if it's down to them against Utah. But I think that's also the only team they really beat in a one on one argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Uh, speaking of, speaking of brand, uh, let's go to your lock reviews, Matt. Um, you, uh, you went all, hey, I went you, you did all overs, you did all, you did all overs and unders. You didn't pick anything against the spread. Uh, you had a very on, never do. on brand, uh, in your selection process, but why don't you run us through, uh, what, what took place with your picks?
3: Arkansas state and coastal Carolina are dead to me because they stopped scoring really early. Uh, Utah and UAB you challenged me to watch I tried to watch <laughs> and for some reason ESPN3 would not let me watch it so um, uh, my two wins were uh, Penn State uh, Indiana over 54 that one actually got kind of sweaty just because of the fact that the two top uh, playmakers for both teams or the top playmaker for each team went out at halftime and uh, all of a sudden their offenses were terrible um, and then Georgia Auburn, I could, I pretty much from like the second drive of the game, I was fairly confident that neither team was going to start scoring. And then it got a little sweaty at the end.
1: Well, yeah, I remember early in that game, Auburn had the opportunity to go for fourth and short and tried to, I think they tried a long field goal and missed it. And i was like, yeah, they're, they're going to do everything they can to make this go under. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jordan, you had a lovely week. Uh, good things happen when you roll with the pack 12, my friend, uh, why don't you tell <laughs> us what happened?
2: Yeah, sure. So I had Washington State laying 10.5 uh, at home against Stanford, despite allowing over 500 yards through the air, which is hilarious. Uh, they still won by 27 points. So that tells you where Stanford's at right now.
1: I almost um, feel like you need, like we could spend the whole podcast just talking about how crazy that statement is that you just made. It's wild. Like if you told someone that and they didn't know if you were telling the
2: truth, there's no way they would believe you. Right. Um, it, it just... Just outright incredible uh, and foreshadowing perhaps to the end of the show where I might be going. And I I had Indiana getting 14 and a half uh, at Penn State. I mean, you can make a case that Indiana could have won that game outright. I I think, again, we're seeing what I've been saying for the last two or three weeks about Penn State's defense. Uh, There are holes, and they're getting exploited in the secondary um indiana lost their best wide receiver like matt said early in the game it didn't matter they just kept chucking it down the field there were breakdowns all over the place indiana with the easy cover easy cover never in doubt almost won outright and then i laid 21 with utah at home against ucla uh utah utah won 49 to 3 um they had oh, Jesus. 536 total yards uh and forced five turnovers they, um, I, you know, the, the way I read this game before last week, Utah was a top 10, uh, efficiency team on both sides of the ball. Um, and they really showed it. And at home, they really are just crushing people. They're, they're laying, uh, I think 24 points on the road at Arizona this week. And I was really tempted to go that direction. I'm not sure if I will or not, but they their complete team, uh, they have a great quarterback and running back. Their defense is
1: phenomenal. That's what you need. Yes. I think Utah is one of the more underrated teams. I, no one talks about them. So it's, uh, I'm glad that you have been because it, they are, they're, they're legitimately a, a very good football team, maybe even an excellent football team. Uh, the, uh, the The only thing I hate about the Hoosiers uh, is I can't pronounce any of their wide receiver Fri- names. So I can't really talk about them. Fry uh, Fogle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's just nonsense. It's, it's a pretty <laughs> West. Pen- wow. Okay, shot. Maybe not any of them, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. I was texting y'all during that one. I was like, "Man, the game plan against Penn State's defense should just be throw it to the right side of the field because it's always open." And then the next play, they got like a 15 yard gain throwing it to the left. And then the next play was like a 30 yard touchdown right down the middle. I was like, "Ah, or just throw it anywhere, I guess." And I forgot but to mention,
2: I forgot to mention too, one of the worst fake punts in yes. college football history. It's amazing, and somehow Indiana suffered that humiliating. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, I mean, that cost him the game. Yeah, but I mean, even even with that, they were still in a position to win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, easy uh, so number. just ugh, ugh.
1: Uh, my 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 week was okay. I went two and one. Uh, my only loss was uh, I was on the wrong side of the Minnesota Iowa game, which was unfortunate. I watched quite a bit of that while folding laundry. And uh, man, I felt like I had to rewash all the clothes after <laughs> after watching that one. That was that was pretty rough. Uh, Georgia Auburn. I felt comfortable uh, going into that one on the week. I felt really good at halftime and uh, really good after third quarter. I wasn't sweating it too much, but but then you know, there's always craziness in, in SEC football, and well, in college football, I should say. So I was like, oh, something terrible is going to happen, and I'm going to end up missing this one but I didn't uh my easiest one on the week was Alabama at Mississippi State I thought that was the most obvious pick for my for myself from like my process that that felt like the easiest one all all season for me uh so so that was good it was a 17 and a half point line but Bama just they were crushing uh it was uh pleasant to see uh, of course we've already talked about the the Tua injury that was really unfortunate but uh they had already put the game away by then and uh yeah they were able to continue on I, can we
3: can we just make obligatorily point out that anyone who says that Alabama was stupid for leaving him in was um, ridiculous? It's the most hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty argument of all time because they do this all the time. He was coming out the next drive. It's just incredibly bad luck. It's unfortunate, but yeah, I I just we needed to say that because everyone is bringing or there were a lot of fights about this, and anyone who was saying that Nick Saban, um did him wrong by having him play. I'm sorry. Injuries are going to happen. If you're going to argue that he uh, didn't take care of Tua, he should have just left him at home because he was already uh, dinged up going into the game. Sorry. Had to derail us for a second
1: because that bothered me. No, no, I, I totally agree. It was like, if it would have been in like the fourth quarter, I would have been like, yeah, what are you doing? But it was still the first half. It was the two minute drill in the first half. Of course you're leaving him in there. Jordan, do you agree with us or or, or are you going to, are you going to come, come at Saban here? No, I think it's exactly what you said. I think people just
2: about everybody outside of Tuscaloosa hates Nick Saban. So any chance they get to sort of take a shot at the King, um, they'll do it and, and they'll try and find fault. And, and, I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's an easy guy to dislike. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm on the other side of that conversation necessarily, but I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, You know, he, if he, if he takes that hit and he falls just a fraction of an inch, a different way, maybe he doesn't get injured. And then, you know, then we're just talking about how, how his ankle is progressing at this point. So it's just right. It's it's hindsight. It's
1: exactly what you guys are saying. Uh, let's leave hindsight behind us and look to the future with our upcoming picks and previews of week 13. Uh, are you guys superstitious at all? No, just we didn't. We once again skipped the random question. So that'll be my <laughs> random question for the day. Do you believe in like jinxes and superstitions like 13 being unlucky? Uh, someone's pitching a complete game shutout type thing or a no hitter. And you, you talk it. Do you guys believe in that nonsense?
3: I No, but I am still not talking in during someone's no-hitter about it just because spite <laughs> and I
2: don't want to get yelled at. Right. I I don't necessarily believe in it either, but I will say that um and again I have to turn this back to hockey because this is a college football podcast. Um of course. during during uh playoff season and uh, for, for the NHL, I, I do grow a beard for the playoffs. I mean that's a pretty well known You know, sort of niche, I guess, if you don't watch hockey. But, like, um, that's a superstition that I do take pretty seriously. It obviously doesn't work all
1: the time. (laughs) But it's something. Do you rock it until Pittsburgh is out or the entire playoffs? Until they get
2: eliminated. Um, Yeah.
1: if I mean, that rarely happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I
2: mean, for a while there when they won back-to-back, I was like, well, clearly it's my beard. So I can just keep doing this forever. And and all will be right. but.
1: (laughs) All right. Do you guys like dessert first, or do you guys want to save it for the end? You guys want to go Penn State at hot Ohio State to, to lead off, or should well, we no, let's, finish. That let's, let's finish with that one? Let's let's start with Texas at Baylor. Uh, Baylor favor by five and a half at home. There's the theme for a lot of these. We we've got a lot of sweeps. This one, we're all on Baylor. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell me why Baylor's gonna gonna win this easily? Texas
3: is the most overrated team in the country. This game should be ten. Ooh. That's it. That's all I got. This game, yeah. Texas is super overrated. The fact that they were ranked in the college football playoff rankings last week was a joke. Um, Baylor should steamroll
1: them. Jordan,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think Texas is overrated, um, and I think this is a, I think this is a good bounce back spot for Baylor. Sort of a get right because obviously they, for all intents and purposes, should have won that game last week. Gave it away late. Um, and I think that Matt Rule will probably rally his guys. I think they, I think they get the job done. And like I'm sort of on the same page as Matt. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they win by double digits.
1: Yeah, I forget. I think I was texting both of you guys. Maybe it was just Matt. I don't recall. But we haven't really talked about how disappointing Sam ellinger has been this year. I, I was super excited about him coming into the year. I thought he was going to have a, a nice little season. But I mean. His numbers are are fine, but they just aren't winning enough games for me to be impressed with what he's done. Uh, the fact that he's only averaging three and a half yards a rush, uh, I kind of speaks to the fact that they are just.
3: That's also because it includes sack numbers. Yeah, College yeah, that's rushing true. Rushing numbers are a little bit skewed for quarterbacks, and and,
1: and a lot of um a lot of uh, short line short yardage work. But his longest run of the year is only like twenty eight yards or something like that. So he hasn't really been able to get get it going as much as I was hoping he would. I agree. I think Texas is overrated uh i was not surprised at what happened last week against iowa state uh but it was just a, another case in in the uh in the another point in the case against texas uh let's move on to texas a and m at georgia georgia favored by thirteen matt you said earlier that you uh you think georgia's not the type of team that's gonna blow anyone out um unless it's a bad team so so how do you think that that plays out in this texas a and m game
3: I think this game, I just think they're going to struggle to have an explosive play, and Kellen Mond will probably score something in the garbage time. S&P Plus only has this game at about 12.5, so I I mean, realistically, I think Georgia's going to win comfortably. I don't think you're ever going to think Texas A&M is going to win this game, and then Georgia's just going to win by 10.
1: Yeah. Okay, Jordan?
2: Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I'm going to take the points with A&M, but I don't feel great about it. Um, you know, as much as I talked down about Georgia, uh, not being able to score a ton of points, um, I do, th- I do think this will be low scoring, which, uh, leads me a little bit towards the dog here, but obviously again, this is a situation where Georgia is the more talented team, basically all across the board. And if everything is functioning at a high rate, they should roll. Um, but I just don't have hundred percent confidence that we'll see that. So in a low scoring game or what I anticipate to be low scoring, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the 13 points with the Aggies.
1: Yeah. And I'm on Georgia's side here, uh, mainly because, uh, as I've said numerous times, I don't really think too highly of Kellen Mond as a quarterback. I, I know he has a couple of big plays in him, a couple of, uh, fun moments, but overall, I just, I'm just not a huge believer. Uh, Maybe he'll prove me wrong. In fact, I'd love to. uh, This is not one of my locks, so I'd love to get this one wrong, and I'd love to see Texas A&M just flat out beat Georgia. I think that would be a a lot of fun, a little bit of chaos. Uh, But but I think Georgia will take care of business at home. Uh, I think they win comfortably, and uh, Texas A&M might might make it a little bit of a game, but but in the end, I think Georgia wins by uh, two touchdowns. So uh, I've got Georgia on that one. Uh, Oregon State is traveling to Arizona State. Oregon State, Oregon's favored by fourteen. Arizona State has been struggling as of late, and I personally believe Oregon takes care of business pretty quickly, pretty, uh, pretty easily. Here, they uh, they made they made last week's other Arizona team look look absolutely foolish, and I think they just continue it here. Uh, I mentioned Juwan Johnson at the top; Uh, his addition to the wide receiver core at Oregon has made a huge difference. All of a sudden, they have a, a legitimate big time wide receiver to accompany their their smaller. Uh, kind of like the the Jalen Red and and uh, Johnny Johnsons of the world, who I'm sure everyone knows about. They they were they were missing some size at, at the receiver position, uh, which is why they featured so much of Breland, the tight end, when he was healthy. Uh, but Jawan being there has has really changed and opened up the offense, and uh, they've gone from you know a, a safe under bet every week uh, to to being a, a team that actually now gets the gets the over on their own. So they, they've been looking really good on offense and I anticipate that to, to continue. Uh, meanwhile, their defense got back to form last week. So uh, Oregon minus 14 is, is a pretty easy one for me,
3: Matt. Uh, I didn't have much uh, feel for this game other than uh, Oregon's a lot better than Arizona state. Yeah. So Oregon.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think these are two teams kind of moving in opposite directions. If you look at just the last uh, four weeks, Arizona state's lost four in a row. They failed to cover four in a row. Um, Oregon over the last four has one four in a row and they've covered three of four. So not saying that that's, you know, obviously small sample uh, not enough to play it simply on its own, but I think we've seen Oregon show what they can do. And I think Arizona state might be scrambling a little bit here. I don't feel terrific about laying two touchdowns on the road because uh, Arizona state has shown the ability to play tight games but I, you know, like I'm, I'm with you guys. I think Oregon's just the better team. So when in doubt, I'll just, I'll weigh the points.
1: All right, let's, uh, let's move on to our locks of the week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's, let's take a couple minutes here and, uh, and really just let, 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 let it marinate right here. This is rivalry week between you two. We've got Jordan versus Matt Penn state at Ohio state. Jordan, I don't appreciate that dollar sign. Oh, You, you <laughs> know exactly, you know exactly what that's for. <laughs> We got Penn State at Ohio State. The line is 18 points. I'm gonna stop talking and just listen to you guys uh, hash this one out.
3: When you can start?
1: Yeah, I mean, I,
2: if you've if you've listened to the show over the last couple of weeks, you've probably heard me sound rather conflicted about Penn State. Uh, multiple areas of their team, I think that they are flawed, but I do still think that they are a talented team. Um, from a cumulative standpoint on the roster. I think that they are they are mature, still young, but they are talented. But in this spot, I Ohio State, I mean, I just believe that – I, I kind of believe that they are the best team in the country. Um, I think that they're well-rounded on both sides. Justin Fields has just been so efficient. Um, and I think that what, what worries me the most in this spot for Penn State – is their offensive line against Ohio State's uh, front four and front seven. Um, Sean Clifford has shown the ability to scramble um, and and do it in a timely manner and pick up yardage when they really needed it. I think that he's probably going to have to do the same thing here because I think he will be under duress. Uh, Chase Young obviously is back for this game. He is the best edge rusher in the entire country, and I don't think it's – player. I'm not going to say that he's, he is the best edge rusher in the, he's the best defensive player in the country. And I, I just don't know. I really don't think Penn state has seen anything like what they're going to see uh, their offensive line. And also something to mention is Penn state's running backs have, have shown issues in pass protection at times during, during the season against lesser competition. So I'm a little bit worried about that again KJ Hamler uh got dinged up not sure if he's going to play if he does is he 100% probably not that leaves Pat Fryermuth as the number one passing option they still have not found an answer at the uh other wide receiver spots it's a lot of points i think that i think this number will probably continue to move up um i'm not sure that it gets all the way up to like 21 but if it would around 21 i would be Tempted to take Penn State there because I don't know if the gap's that big, but at 18, I'm just going to lay the points with the better team at home, with the ability to disrupt in the in the opponent's backfield and an, a really efficient offense. They're just really good. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't like Ohio State, but I can't deny that they are a 100% well-rounded, talented team all around and i think that penn state will probably get exposed a little bit more this week okay um so <laughs> i mean i think this game
3: sort of one of the key elements to me is the fact that uh penn state starting a redshirt freshman where walker i think is his name at left tackle um he's going to have a bad day and if penn state is smart they will attempt to double um wow Uh, They will attempt to double Chase Young. The best player in the country. Yeah, (laughs) they will double Chase Young every single um, snap. Uh, If they do that, Ohio State is freakishly deep at defensive linemen, and all of them are really good at getting to the quarterback. So I kind of think that Sean Clifford's just going to get hit a lot, which is not great for a quarterback that hasn't exactly been he hasn't been Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley in this game, I would have been a little more concerned about because he had more of a tendency to kill us with his legs. Um, and I say us because that slipped out and I feel bad now. In this game, this game in recent years has been very close. However, I do think this is the first time where there's been a significant talent gap on both sides of the ball. I think Ohio state is one of the two or three best offenses in the country. And I also think they are the best defense in the country. And I, while I think Penn state has a lot of talent on this team, they haven't really harnessed it. They should have a good number two wide receiver. They had the number one wide receiver from last year's um, high school class. He has not developed into anything yet. They have been trying to get Jahan Dotson work the last few weeks. He has really not stepped up to the plate and become meaningful. Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford, they've all had flashes where they've been very good. But if they're not getting consistent enough, if they're not getting holes, they're not really going to do much. And I don't think that this defensive line is going to give them much of an opportunity. With that all being said, KJ Hamler terrifies me. I think... If Ohio State is smart, and I like to think they are, they will probably key in on him covering him with Jeffrey Okuda, shadowing him the whole game with over-the-top help from Jordan Fuller. If they do that, I think KJ Hamler will pretty much get neutralized and Penn State will have a really difficult time scoring. The reason I I took Ohio State uh, to cover 18 points is essentially, I see this game going pretty similar to Wisconsin. I think that Penn state's going to have a difficult time getting to 20 points against the first team defense. And I, I don't think their defense is particularly good. I think unless Micah Parsons lives in the backfield, Penn state has issues and I think he's going to get some hits on Justin Fields, but at the same time, I can't see them holding Ohio state under 35.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. I don't think you guys need to hear much more from me. Uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, do you know, Matt, off the top of your head, what what Man. the uh, the closest score was for Ohio State so far this year? Which game was the closest? It score? was. It was Florida Atlantic. It, it was, was week one. They won by 24 cover. points, 45 to 21. 24 points is the is the closest they've been in, in a game. So so for for starters, I think it would be really exciting and fun to see what would happen if this game were closed at halftime, uh, unfortunately, I don't think that we're going to be able to really, really see. Uh, so I, I think, I think Ohio state uh, takes care of business here and continues the trend of at least 20 plus point wins. Uh, but yeah, th- those are our previews and picks, but you have a, uh, why don't we transition into the locks here, Matt, you have one uh, involving this very game. So why don't we uh, let you tell us what your lock is in the Ohio state Penn state game?
3: This is sort of a brand pick for me, but it's not the one that I labeled brand. <laughs> um, Ohio State, Penn State, under 57. Both of these teams are top 12 in defensive S&P+. Plus. Both of them hold their opponents under five yards per play. On the season, you'd think that because they're, um, they've are they had a few high-scoring games and they score a lot of points, they'd be pretty killing on over-unders. Um, they're pretty much 500. And in the two games when Ohio State played against ranked opponents, they are 2-0 on unders. I do like this game to be pretty similar to Wisconsin. I actually think 38 to 10 is sort of a reasonable uh, score. And that would pretty comfortably cover the 57.
1: Yeah, that that sounds that sounds reasonable. I'll jump into to one of mine. I am not done with Minnesota. In fact, I'm rolling with them again this week. I've got Minnesota minus 13 and a half at Northwestern. What's the one thing we know about Northwestern? They can't score. They're bad. They're terrible. <laughs> they're terrible. I don't, like yes, they scored many points against UMass, but I think, it's I think the 40, UMass. Yeah, I think the 45 points they put up against UMass is like the combined total of what they had in all their other games. Uh, I don't think that's actually true, but uh, it's close. Someone can, can I do the math for me, but uh, yeah, so Northwestern is awful. Mm-hmm. I don't care that they're at home. Minnesota only needs to win by two touchdowns. To me, th- this feels a lot like my Alabama pick last week. It just feels like People are overrating um, – I don't know if people are overrating Northwestern after last week, but I don't think the line reflects just how how much better Minnesota is than Northwestern. So Minnesota minus 13.5 is uh, is lock numero uno for me. Uh, Jordan, why don't you give us one of yours? Uh, well, uh, surprise,
2: surprise. I'm going to keep the uh, Indiana train rolling. I um, <laughs> love it. They're getting 9.5. Last I checked, um, there's a chance that this number – uh, gets even bigger by the time it, I wouldn't be surprised if it touches 10. Um, Michigan is in a potential look ahead spot with Ohio State up next. I think they call that, what do they call that, Matt? The game, the big game, the big one, something like that. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a look ahead potential here for our state. Indiana has an edge in scoring offense and yards for play and has been surprisingly competitive on the defensive side of the ball ranking inside the top 32 in both scoring defense and defensive yards per play allowed. Obviously, uh, you know, we saw what happened last week with Indiana and Penn State. Um, They went into Happy Valley, outgained Penn State, almost won the game outright. Now they get Michigan on the road, uh, getting almost double digits. And I, you know, I just think that Indiana can keep this close. Even if Michigan jumps out early. Again, I still think that the back door is a potential option for the cover um, because Indiana can throw the ball. And Michigan is tough against the run. So, again, I think Indiana will probably struggle, Stevie Scott. But he has a knack for falling forward, breaking tackles, getting first downs, which I think will be key. So, again, I'll take Indiana getting 9.5 uh, against, admittedly, a Michigan team that is trending up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens this one because Michigan has looked better. But, yeah, Trash. it'll be – trash yeah well it'll be interesting to see what happens uh speaking of trash uh pittsburgh at virginia Tech. i'm just kidding (laughs) but pitt at Vod Tech is favored by three and a half and i'm on that side i think they will win by by more than that their offense has really improved since hendon hooker took over at quarterback uh in october they've averaged 35 points a game giving up uh just about 22 uh that includes a six overtime game so you know some of those numbers are maybe a little bit wonky but uh but they do have an an average margin of victory of 13 Virginia Tech is five and one against the spread in the last six games they have a lot to play for uh, with the uh with the coastal up for grabs there so so give me bottech minus three and a half over to you Matthew I'm gonna go
3: with the one that I just labeled brand uh Marshall and Charlotte over 55 and a half uh, s p plus has this game over 60 the teams are a combined 13 and seven on overs you guys know I really like picking Charlotte overs so uh brand uh, over 55.5. and a half.
1: I like it I've got I've got another one that could be uh labeled uh, No I Matt. saw that and I'm kind of mad at you. It's a good one you'll like it. <laughs> um I've got a, I've got a Matt brand play right here. We have got Texas State at Appalachian State. Uh Texas State uh is averaging 19 points per game on the season. So if App State can hit 32, well, we'll be we'll be good to go. Uh so far they've been averaging 35 against non power 5 schools. So I I like that pretty pretty well. Further than that, App State has covered this line. Uh, well, they've gone over 50 points in four games this year. Uh, App State is 9-4 and four with the over in the last 13 home games against a team with a losing road record. So App State, uh, Texas State, 51.5 over for me, please. Let's go back to you, Jordan. Yeah, so this one will be uh, relatively short,
2: but I'm taking Coastal Carolina getting 6 at UL Monroe. One thing I like to look at a lot is ESPN's uh, team efficiency rankings, um, and based on their overall total team efficiency rankings, these two teams are exactly identical. That's taking into account offense, defense, and special teams rolled into one number, identical teams. Um, so I'm getting the team getting six points. Now albeit on the road, but still a little bit of value based on that metric. Coastal Carolina is six and four against the spread this season, while Monroe is three and seven. So again, short handicap, um, but I think these are two teams that are pretty close. So in that situation, I'll take the team getting almost a touchdown.
1: I can tell you with uh, complete honesty and truth that I could not name one player on the field <laughs> for that game, <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. Cause that doesn't matter for, uh, for today's exercise. Uh, Matthew, let's go. Uh, I like calling you Matthew, by the way, let's, uh, let's, let's get another, uh... I feel like I'm in trouble. Let's get a gross one from you, please. I don't have that many gross ones. This week was kind of You have got you've got
3: a nice gross under. I see it. I'm looking at okay, it. Okay, fine. Uh so Missouri, Tennessee under 45 and a half. Um Missouri is a pretty solid defense. They're top 15 in SP plus uh, on the year. They are eight and two on unders, and they are five and one at home. Tennessee is six and four on unders on the year. These two teams don't like to score a ton of points, and I don't think they're gonna do it.
1: Yeah, I actually this is really weird that we both have plays on this Tennessee at Missouri game, because I have a play on it as well. And I'm going Mizzou minus four. They're at home. If you look at the difference just between their their the road and home numbers, it's 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 pretty incredible. They average more than 140 or more than 130 yards more of total offense at home. They they average 216 rushing yards compared to 110 on the road. Uh their defense is amazing, allowing only 237 at home compared to 350 on the road so they have a huge advantage when they're playing at home um i i really like this i think uh, tennessee is just uh bad so to me it's only four i think mizzou has really struggled as a plate but they had to play florida they had to play georgia they were without bryant so uh bryant's back now i, I think it's going to be a, a pretty easy victory for missouri uh so so those four points seem like a, a nice easy one for them to uh to eclipse. So, uh, Mizzou minus four for me. All right, Jordan, let's, uh, let's hear your last one for the week. All right. So to close it out, I'm going
2: to take Cal getting three at Stanford. Um, this is a play against Stanford, who I think is a little bit cooked at this point, um, coming off a pretty bad loss. I mean, like I said, they, they threw for over 500 yards against Washington state, but they were held to single digits Um, In rushing yardage against Washington State, Cal is a step up in defense. Um, Their secondary is better. Their run defense is better. And I think that Stanford is kind of one-dimensional on offense at this point. And um, Cal's most talented positional group on their team is the secondary. So I think it kind of plays into Cal's hands. And since the start of the 2017 season under their current head coach, Justin Wilcox, Cal is 15, 7, and 0 against the spread as an underdog, with nine of those as being being outright wins. And they're beating the spread on average by five and a half points. So they've performed over expectation um, as a road dog or as an underdog. So this is a preferred situation for Cal. And it's and it's, you know, neither of these teams really have much to play for at this point, but it is still a rivalry game. I think that there will still be energy and I think the kid and you know, I think the players will still get up for it. So I'll take the team getting the field goal, Cal.
1: Sounds good. My last one is kind of uh wait and see and then play it if things pan out the way I hope. Uh Boise State at Utah State. So this is if if Bachmeyer is out at quarterback for Boise State, which it looks like he will be, and if Jordan Love does play for Utah State, then I am on Utah State plus eight. If if either of those is not in play, then I'm not touching this game regardless, because uh, so much craziness could happen here. Yeah, I, I I just feel I feel good about this one. I feel like Utah State has has a lot to play for. I mean Boise State does too, of course, but at home, I think the the eight points is just a little bit more and uh Boise State could be down to their third string quarterback Jalen Henderson which makes me feel uh pretty good about Utah State giving the fact that they have uh more than a a touchdown in their favor so yeah Boise State is 0-3 against the spread uh this year as a road favorite so yeah Utah State given uh the parameters in which I have just stated Matthew what's your last pick for this week uh
3: so my last one
1: is I'm I'm getting on board
3: the Memphis over train. Uh, early in the year they kind of looked like they were going to be an underplay um and then all of a sudden they started going uh over like crazy they're now eight and two on the season on overs they've gone the total is fifty nine they've gone over that total in each of their last four games um on the year actually they've only gone under that um number four times memphis is a team to uh bet on yeah (laughs) that's good um I actually want to throw one extra one on, sure, uh, because more brand. So you know how you never take Service Academy overs. I'm taking a Service Academy over Navy and SMU, right? No, is it someone else? In SMU? No, that sounds right. No, Navy and SMU over 68. That's a big number. The only team better, the only team better than uh, Memphis on overs is smu
1: there we go i like it that's that's a fun one see now that's that's the kind of game that i that i look forward to watching uh, something with lots of points lots of scoring uh gentlemen are we are we going to be able to Wait, do 66 and a half 66 and a half there you go get that number more in your favor it is officially in the show doc so we're good to go are you boys up for uh for recording thanksgiving week next week uh probably not i'm out of town to be determined. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> so we may or may not have a show for you. Um, if Jordan and Matt can't uh, jump on, I might try to see if we can find a, a special guest for for a quick episode. But uh, we'll we'll let you know. Uh, follow us on on the old Twitter machine. Uh, we can uh, we can let you know if we have a show coming for you there. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at RotoVizCFBShow. Uh, you can follow me at Stay Fun um, I have a couple of articles up on. Rotoviz that have nothing to do with college football, but uh, if you're a fantasy football guy uh, or gal, please uh, check those out. Uh, Jordan, where can the good, the good people find find you and all your uh, content?
2: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at jhoover9787, and I will be uh, my my weekly W article will be dropping probably tomorrow at at latest on Friday.
1: Matthew,
3: um, you can find me at Wispy the Kid on Twitter and. Uh... My article's
1: written. I just haven't hit submit yet. There so, you go. <laughs>
3: let's assume it's tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'm looking forward. This is going to be, this is this is the most games I've ever had uh, for the lock section. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be, actually, I'm not going to be dialed in. Uh, Saturday is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Janae. You don't listen to the show. You've never listened to the show. She actually thought I was coming to the basement to record a, a baseball podcast <laughs> because she's so in tune with my life. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. But happy birthday to baseball. her! Yeah. Um, so I'll be hanging out with with my beautiful wife. Uh, I'll be catching some of it, but but not all that much. But I uh, I expect to come back uh, next week. One two three four five and oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to get me over five hundred for the week for the for the year. It's going to be good stuff. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, check out all the other great content we have for you over uh, at Rotaviz. Uh, we have got a lot of awesome podcasts. Uh, check out the main feed for those, but you can also follow uh, or, or listen to and subscribe to each of the shows individually on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I don't know what they call it anymore. Or wherever it is you get your podcast. So thanks again. We will be back with you, most likely with a, a, an abbreviated or some sort of different type of show next week. Um, otherwise, we will talk to you the following week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, next week. All right. Bye.